Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Well, thank you for joining us. We're in this series, Seeking God. And uh, so the goal uh, this year is that we become more intentional in this relationship and seeking Him. So we've talked about a number of different topics um, through the, the past number of weeks. And today I want to talk, uh, last week I taught on the Word, and I want to continue this theme on the Word. And, and today I want to talk about the Word being Jesus. And uh, just to sort of recap a couple of things from last week, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And uh, verse 12 continues, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the, the Word of God is alive and powerful, and we know that as we read the Word, uh, God is speaking to our hearts. The, the Word of God uh, changes things. And I talked a little bit about last week, everything that was created was created as God spoke forth. He spoke light into existence, and He spoke everything into existence. The Word comes alive when we read it. The Word exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Have you ever been reading the Word of God and then all of a sudden it's, it's like you, you have a greater depth of understanding of what the Word is trying to say to you? And so the Holy Spirit can give us that revelation and insight and speak to our hearts. We tend to view things through a finite filter or uh, through a finite perspective. Uh, even, even God's Word, even His promises... Uh, we, we may have this thought in our mind, Lord, I know you can do this, but, I, Lord, I know your word says this, but, are we really receiving the word of God in its fullness? I know you can do this, but God, I just don't know if you can do it for me. And uh, we place limits on the Lord and his word. And I was thinking about this, how that we, we process through filters uh, maybe through our wounds, maybe through our experiences in life. And uh, I want to share a couple of things. I'm going to have a TA moment. If you're new here or watching online, TA stands for Transparent, Authentic, and Honest. And uh, it's just where I reveal something really personal. And uh, when I was about three and a half years old, I witnessed my brother's death. He drowned. He was seven. And uh, it was an accident, and we were at, at Lakey, and... Uh, there was, if you've ever been up there in the hill country when it rains, sometimes the water is over the, the roads and there's low water crossings and things like that. And there was fish that were swimming across and the water outside the, the road wasn't that deep. He had caught a fish and he was going to take it to a man out there in a boat fishing. So the water was not very deep. But what happened was when he stepped off the road, he stepped in front of a culvert. And there was water going through that to, from one side of the road to the other. And so he was grabbing onto a tree limb, and he was just stripping the leaves off as he was going down. And he drowned. Now, do you think that had any effect on me? Because I've often wondered what, what it would have been like to grow up with an older brother. And as kind of as a side note, I realized a, a few years ago that I had held my mom responsible. I'd always had 
held something against her for that. And I didn't even know that until the Lord revealed that to me. And I went to my mom and I said, you know, there's something that I've held against you all of my life. And I didn't realize it, that I held you responsible. It was an accident. But that was something, that was a wound deep within me that I didn't even realize was there. That the Lord had to bring healing. When I was about 10 years old, uh, I guess about 10 years old, I remember we, we had gone out to an event I think we'd gone to some car races or something. It was like on a Sunday afternoon. And I, I just sensed in my spirit, even as a young child, that something was wrong. And we got home, and my parents received a phone call. And uh, the, my parents came and said, well, your Aunt Kathy, my favorite aunt, had died. And, and they, their explanation to me was, well, she was sick and she died. So we got in the car, and we drove to San Antonio. And uh, uh, we got there. They they lived in a nice home in a nice uh, area. They had a two-story house, and, and the family was kind of gathered downstairs, and, and, and I sort of meandered upstairs to their bedroom, and there was a gentleman there that was cleaning up the room, and the sheets were saturated with blood. They were saturated, and I said, what happened? And he said, well, your aunt committed suicide. And I, I don't want to get too graphic, but there was matter on the wall. There was blood on the wall. The sheets were saturated. And I ran downstairs, and I'm like, you lied to me. You lied to me. How would, how would you explain this situation to a, a young child? They were doing the best that they could. They, didn't, they were dealing with their own issues. But do you think that had an effect on me? There's a visual in my mind, unless the Lord removes it, will be there for forever, that I cannot get out of my mind. And so that had an effect on me. And so there are wounds in our lives that impact us. Another story, we, uh, we, were foster, we were a foster family. We used to have foster children come and stay with us. And sometimes they'd be with us for months at a time. Sometimes they'd be with us only for a few weeks. And most of these kids, when they came, they came with everything they had, just the clothes on their back, and that was it. And uh, at that point in time, the, the government didn't give much money per day, and so my parents would end up going and buying them clothes and things like that. But the thing is, is that we were able to invest into these kids' lives. Some of these kids came from horrific environments. We probably don't even know the extent of what they had gone through. I, re I remember there were two kids, two twins. They were about my age, and they came, and they were great kids. And their dad used to hang them up in the garage and beat them. And they finally left and, and were living out on the beach in Padre Island in Corpus. They were living out on the beach, sleeping in a tent, catching fish and eating. And, uh, and when they came to us, they were sunburned. They were dirty. Uh, they didn't have any clothes, you know, just swim trunks and stuff like that. And so we took them in. But they were great kids. It wasn't their fault. I remember this other kid. He was about my age. He was a little bit bigger than I was. And uh, one day... Uh, he slapped my mom in front of me. And man, I took off after him, and my mom was like, Mark, wait, wait, hold up. It's okay. And I'm thinking, you're living in my house, and you're slapping my mama? <laughs> I'm going to get a hold of you. But this kid came from an environment where he would hoard food in his room. He would hoard things. Why? Because... From the environment that he had come from, he didn't know if he was going to have a meal that day or that next day. 
And so my point is that these wounds and these things that happen in our lives, sometimes we have no, uh, it's no fault of our own. Sometimes it's not even anybody's fault. It's just stuff that happens. Life has an impact on us. And so it can be wounds. It can be pain. It can be rejection. That's one of the things that I think damages so many people is rejection. And when people are abandoned, and, and so these kinds of things have an impact, and they are a filter for how we view things. I remember one time uh, I went to pick up a bass player. For, uh, I'd never been to his house. I went to pick him up. I was in my dad's truck, and it had a camper on it. And I had all my drums in the back, and I went to pick him up. And so I go through the gate, and there's this dog. He's you know like a German Shepherd-sized dog, and he's wagging his tail. And I'm walking up, and I'm, I'm going to pet him, and he leaps at me. And he's trying to bite me. In fact, he bit, my, he bit me up here and ripped my jeans and, and bit me down here and ripped my jeans. I jumped on the hood of the truck. You know, I'm like, Cujo, psycho dog. What's going on with this dog, man? You know, I, I haven't done anything. And so the guy comes out. I'm like, what's wrong with your dog, man? <laughs> and he said, oh, he got picked up by the dog pound last week. So probably the dog saw me, and he's like, hey, there's somebody, you know. And then he looks, and he sees the, the truck with the, the camper shell, and has this memory of, oh, yeah, I remember last week. I'm going to get you, you know. And I'm like, hey, I'm innocent. It wasn't me, really. But so, so those kinds of things can have an impact on us, even as animals. And so there are uh, these filters, and in, in in even our, our, our filters can, can skew or can have an impact on how we relate to our, our earthly father. Maybe you didn't have a good... Uh, earthly dad, and, and so you, uh, I'm sorry, I think I said that backwards, we, we can have a skewed effect on our heavenly father because of what we experience with our earthly father. Well, my earthly father was not a good dad, and so I don't know about this heavenly father thing. And so we can have all of those things that are uh, areas of our life where we need Jesus to heal us. So are we consumed with fear? Are we trusting in the Lord and living in faith? Because I think those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. Either we're going to live in fear or we're going to walk in faith. And, and I know we all have uh, things in our life where we're fearful maybe. When that dog was running at me, I was a little fearful. <laughs> um, but there are additional filters too, like selfishness. This is something that we all deal with, okay? Oh, here, why don't you eat this ice cream? I really don't like that ice cream. I really want this ice cream. So, but you take it. So is selfishness uh, part of our filter? Is our unwillingness to yield to the Lord? Well, God, I'll, I'll yield in this area, but I don't know about this. I don't know about giving you my all. I'll give you some. I'll give you what's convenient. I'll give you what's easy. I'll give you the things I don't like. But not all filters are bad. Right, Because as we read the Word of God and we get the godly wisdom, we're filtering things. Oh, no, 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 I don't do that anymore because, you know, I've seen the effect that it has on my life or other people. Not from a religious standpoint, but from a relational standpoint where we understand, we're reading the Word of God and we're saying, wait a minute, the Word says it's wrong. And so I'm coming into alignment with the word, and I say, that's not how I'm going to live my life. Those are not the things that I'm going to teach my children, and I'm going to bring correction to them. Um, 
also godly insight. So as, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, um, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, are we listening? That's one thing. Are we hearing? But are we obeying what the Lord is, is telling us to do? Another filter is through our limited ability to comprehend or understand. You know, sometimes people are just ignorant, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way. They're just ignorant to, you know, maybe something they don't know. They, they don't understand or they can't comprehend. And, and have you ever judged somebody? I, okay, I know you have. We all have, right? We've judged, I don't know why they're doing that. Well, we don't know what they've just come through. Maybe they just lost a child. Maybe they've had a really bad day. But how, how can we respond to them in love? What can we do to help them? Are we going to react and get back in their face? We can, and sometimes we do. Or we can respond in love and say, wait a minute, God, what's going on here? How can I share the hope and the love of Christ with someone? You know, there have been times, and I have another time moment here. I've said it from a sarcastic approach. I'm sorry you're having such a bad day. <laughs> You know, but but really, <laughs> I'm sorry I've interrupted your day, customer service. I thought that was your job. No, um, <laughs> but but if we would step back, you know, and not be responding out of our woundedness sometimes, and be responding in a godly manner, it could maybe have a great impact. Let's go to Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. And the Lord says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Sometimes I think my wife is really connecting with the Lord because I have no idea what she's trying to say. <laughs> Lord, help me understand. I love you, baby. Uh, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Let's, let's stop and think about this. When we think about what we process, we understand that, that God is all-knowing. And, and so we have this little ability to try and understand something on this level that is huge. He goes on to say, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. We can't even begin to imagine. I mean, with all the technology that we have now, we know that we're living in one little part of one galaxy. Okay, so when this was written uh, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have all the insight that we have. You know, they could see the, the sun, the moon, the stars, but they didn't have all the telescopes and all the uh, technology to see beyond like we can see. And so even now, how do we grasp that his ways are far beyond anything that we could imagine? For just as the, high, uh, the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then there's like a shift here in this scripture that I, that I really want to look at here. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. So the rain comes down in the form of a liquid or a solid, right, uh, is uh, rain or snow, and it, and it waters the earth and water, waters the grain that allows the grain to grow producing more seed for the farmer so that he can have an increase, he can go and plant more seed, but also food for us to eat. And so what we look, when we think of rain, uh, we can think of it as, oh, it's raining outside. 
but there's a greater impact or effect of the water coming down. Um, verse 11, it is the same with my word. Okay, so he's just talked about water, watering the earth and causing the grain to grow so it produces abundant seed for the farmer and food for us to eat. It is the same with my word. The word feeds us like water uh, feeds the earth or allows the grain to grow. And his word helps us to grow as we uh, take the word of God and we read the word of God and we ingest the word of God. And so he's drawing a parallel for uh, them and us to see what water does for the earth and for the plants and for us, the word of God does for us as well. So we navigate life planting seeds of the word that, are, that he's planted within us that provide an abundance for us because we read the word of God and we say, oh, wait a minute, your word says this. Your word says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So although I'm going through a challenge right now, I know that you will give me the strength to get me through this or whatever, whatever promises we, we extract from the word of God or whatever the Holy Spirit has given to us as personal promises, we can hang on to those things. So we're planting, the, the seed of the word is planted within us to provide an, an abundance for us and feed us. Additionally, we can be sowers of the seed. So as we go out into our daily life and interact with people, we can be sowing the seed of the word in their life to help feed them, to help them in their situations. So that's what the word of God does. It impacts us, and then we're able to take the word of God and share that with other people as well. Without water, we could not survive. I know people personally that have fasted for 40 days. Uh, other than Jesus, <laughs> that have not eaten anything but just had water and maybe a little bit of juice. Okay, so you can do that for 40 days, but I don't think you can go 40 days without water. And so without water, we could not survive. Without spiritual food, we cannot live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. In John 4, 13 and 14, this is a story that you know, I'm sure, the woman at the well, and uh, Jesus is there, and he says, will you give me some water from the well? And uh, uh, verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. So he's talking about the physical water, two hydrogens and an oxygen, right? And he's saying, anybody that drinks this water will thirst again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So Jesus gives the water that leads to eternal life. And so as we come into this relationship with him and as we grow in that relationship, this living water is bubbling up within us. His word is life. His word is the water for our soul. <laughs> I remember when I was growing up, my parents decided to move to the country. So we had two acres. Um, about three-quarters of an acre was fenced off, and we had a cow and a horse and a, a pony in there. And uh, so the other acre and a quarter I mowed with a 22-inch push mower. <laughs> it would, like, take me all day long. It was, it was brutal. 
and uh, yeah, it built a lot of character and uh, kept me out of trouble for about five or six hours. Um, but I remember we, were, we lived out in the country, so we had a water well, and the water was kind of salty. You know, we really didn't drink it. Uh, we would bring water in from in town and stuff like that. But I tell you what, it would really quench my thirst. And so when you think about working outside on a hot summer day and what a cool glass of water will do, how it, how it just quenches your thirst and, and it refreshes you, that's what the Word of God does. For us, it just washes over, and it, it's water for our souls. Uh, here in John 7, Jesus is teaching in the temple, and the religious leaders are planning to arrest Jesus. And he says in John 7, 37, on the, last day of the, uh, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Was he talking about having some wine or water? Let's read on. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. He's not talking about H2O. He's talking about spiritual water that gives life. We're talking about the Word of God. And spoiler alert, we're going to find out who the Word of God is. But the Word of God is so vitally important. It is, uh, as I talked about last week, it's the roadmap for us to be able to navigate through life and not only help us, but to help other people as well. So my first point this morning is the Word of God is alive and powerful. My second point is the Word of God accomplishes everything the Lord desires. The Word is given to us to help us to navigate and also that we can look and see what other believers or followers of Christ have done, what the Lord himself has done. It's an example for us, and the Word accomplishes everything he desires. Let's go back to Isaiah 55, 11. This, it is the same with my Word, referring to water, watering the earth. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It always produces fruit. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to uh, have a garden and, and raise vegetables and stuff. My, my dad used to have these huge gardens, um, literally about the size of this room. More food than we could eat, and he just loved to get out there and play in the dirt and, and grow these, these wonderful vegetables, and he'd give them away and stuff, and it was wonderful. Man, I mean, the food was awesome. But we've tried to grow some stuff. And it's like we get these spiders on the tomatoes, and, you know, we can't get anything to grow. And so our, our attempts at raising or trying to grow fruit and stuff has just not worked very well. So I'm glad that God's word is more fruitful than, than our efforts. But his word always always produces fruit. So as we begin to proclaim the things of God, when we are worshiping, we're singing scripture many times. We're proclaiming the things of God. You are the lion and the lamb. You are my provider. You are my protector. And so it's important that when we come together for worship that we want people to engage. That's what it's all about. And I know that it's a different that now that we don't have the band, but you know what? I like it. <laughs> I like it. I hear you guys singing and engaging, and that's what worship was always designed to be. And, I mean, we're, we live in a time where we have great music, and, and so we have technology that can help us. I mean, you wouldn't want me up here singing and rapping and dancing, okay, uh, or even trying to play guitar. But it's not about those things. 
It's about engagement with him. And I love hearing you guys singing and just worshiping. That blesses me, and I know it blesses the Lord. So that's what worship is all about. But I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. The Lord empowers his word. As we talked about last week, he spoke things into existence. And so there is power in the word of God. When we come into alignment with his word, when we're not just speaking it, but we go out and live it. When we live it, God is empowering us to go out and do what he's called us to do and to impact the world around us. So there is power in his word. Verse 11 continues, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's word shall prosper in the things that he sends it forth to do and to accomplish the things that he desires. Well, I'm speaking for the Rolex watch or Rolls Royce. Well, if that's not in accordance with what his plan is and what he's given us to speak, then we're just speaking words. But if we're speaking in accordance with his purpose, his plan, his will, his words, it will prosper wherever it goes. So as we go out into the workplace and we share the hope and the love of Christ with people, we never know what God is doing as we're planting those seeds. But we know we have this promise that it will prosper wherever it goes. So if I'm, if I'm ministering to the pimp or the prostitute, it's prospering. It's doing something. There, there's a word that's getting in there that's maybe causing them to think a little differently. Maybe God is uh, the, the, uh, the right word at the right time will maybe be in a situation where they'll begin to think, you know what, I remember as a young child, I, my mom or my grandparents used to take me to church. And there was such a fulfillment in that that I'm missing. And I can say personally, I've tried to fill that void with all kinds of things in my life before I came back to the Lord. Because fortunately, I was brought up in the church. I was brought up in a Christian environment. I was taught the word of God. I, I had it exampled in my life. Even though there were these tragedies that happened in, in our family's life, God was there. And, you know, we, my parents had this relationship with God, and they turned to God. When I was in high school, four of my friends were in a terrible car accident, and they were all killed. And I saw firsthand some of the families that had relationships with the Lord, how they navigated through that horrible situation. And then I was also able to contrast that with families that didn't seemingly have a relationship with the Lord. And it was very, very different. And so that's why this relationship with the Lord is so vitally important. And I, I want to put a plug in for our, our children's ministry and youth ministry. I'm hearing reports that your children, our children are doing so well. I mean, you know this if your children are going back there. You're seeing, you're seeing evidence that they're growing and that they're learning. But this is, this is why it's so important that we bring our children, that we pour into them. Proverbs 22, 7, train up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. If we don't give them some kind of reference point, if we're looking at the world to show them what the reference point is, we're doing our children and grandchildren a disservice. Because the world is not going to lead them to the Lord. And so that's why it's so important that we teach and train our children. And so Miss Karen and the, and the team back there, whenever they do their arts and crafts, they have a, a sheet that, that you can use to, 
for daily devotionals throughout the week. This is what we, the scriptures that we looked at on Sunday. And you can reinforce those throughout the week. Help them to memorize scripture and learn the word of God. More importantly, help them to get that in their life so that they can go out and live it as well. So God's word will prosper through the things that he sends it forth to do and to accomplish the things that he desires. God has a purpose and plan for us. He hasn't just put us here just so we can get up on Monday and go to, go to work and come home, watch TV, get up the next day. God has a purpose and plan for us that's greater than that. And so he wants us to live the abundant life that Jesus came and died for us. Um, God's word is alive and powerful. A few weeks ago, I taught on faith. And if, uh, by the way, if you've missed some of the series, I encourage you to go back. You can podcast. You can watch these services online. Because, again, this is about seeking God. I want us to be more intentional. I want us to really be serious about our relationship with the Lord, not from a religious, dogmatic, legalistic thing, but from a relational thing where we're really pressing into God in, in a more intentional, deliberate manner this year. Because I think there are some things coming down the line that we're really going to need this faith, and we're really going to need this connection to him and this relationship to be strong, to get us through. Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So faith comes from hearing, and that is the word of God, the good news about Christ. And this Greek word uh, for hearing is akeo. Uh, and it means hearing or of spiritual inner hearing that goes with receiving faith from God, spiritual hearing, discerning God's voice. And so the, we see that the word of God and faith are interconnected again. We see that, 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 uh, the word, uh, that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And so we know that it's impossible to please God without faith. And faith is a vital part of this relationship. And so the word of God is alive as I read it. As I read it, I'm, I'm uh, you know, sometimes it's like things are just highlighted off, off the word. And, and, and what I'm talking about is not just reading to read through it, but really taking time to understand and allow God, ask God to speak to me through his word. Uh, there's power in the word as I proclaim it. And so when we come here again on Sunday mornings and we're worshiping, we're proclaiming the things of God. There's something that happens in our lives and in the lives of others and in the atmospheres, we begin to proclaim the things of God. And so the word of God has power and is alive as I go out and live it. And I demonstrate and I activate and I implement the word of God in my life. So my three points this morning are uh, the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God accomplishes everything the Lord desires. And my third point this morning is the word of God is a person. His name is Jesus. Ah, yes, I couldn't wait to get to this point. Okay, so let's go to John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, the word already existed. Again, we, we have, I don't know, I say we, I, okay, let me just clarify. I have a hard time because of my finite mind. In the beginning, the word already existed. Well, wait a minute. Then that wasn't the beginning. <laughs> And, and so we see things from a finite view, right? Because we see that a, a child is conceived in the womb, all right? And then the child grows up to be a three-year-old, 
and you're glad when they get through that stage or whatever. And then they become a teenager, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I thought the terrible threes were bad. Let, let's get past this. Okay, okay. So then they become a young adult. You can take a deep breath, uh, pay off their college loan, um, and then they get a job, and then they grow up, and then they die. And so we, we see. <laughs> well, that was morbid. Uh, but there's a lot of good things in between, all right? But we see from conception to death, and we think that that's it. But that's not it. Because the Lord tells Jer Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. And, and we know that we're going to live for all of eternity. And so, in, you know, we, God's ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are not like our ways. So in the beginning, the word already existed. And so it's, it's difficult to understand these things. But then again, we just talked about there's a direct correlation between the word and faith, right? And so we have faith to believe these things because we have the Holy Spirit that is witness in our lives to these things as well. So faith is vital to receiving God's word. Faith is vital to our relationship with Christ. And faith is vital to living the Christian life. All right, so John 1, uh, let me read this again. In the beginning, the Word already existed. It continues, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this is another scripture that defines that Jesus is God. Verse 2, he existed in the beginning with God. Verse 3, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Okay, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Word, all right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with him, and, and uh, God created everything through him, the Word, and nothing was created except through him, the Word. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Okay, so let's skip down to verse 14. So the Word became human and made his home among us. Clearly talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. So when we think about the Word, even though this is a concept that we probably can't grasp, Jesus is the Word. Let's read on here in verse 14. He was full of understanding. Uh, I mean, he was full of unfailing love and forgiveness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So again, we see that Jesus is God and Jesus is the Word. I, I know it's a difficult concept to really grasp and understand, but we need to understand that the Word of God is alive and powerful. The Word of God has a name. His name is Jesus. That's what we just read here. And, and so the Word of God is alive and powerful because it's empowered by Jesus. The Word of God is alive and powerful because it, it, it touches our hearts and lives. The Word of God accomplishes everything the Lord desires. When Jesus was fasting for 40 days and, and Satan came and, and tempted him, the Lord answered everything with what? The word. He quoted the scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed from the mouth of God. And so Jesus was uh, giving, answering uh, the accusations and, and things from Satan with the word of God. But if you think about it, would you argue with Webster, who wrote the dictionary? Probably not. Probably wouldn't be a good thing. 
And so why would Satan try to argue with Jesus, who is the Word? <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. But Jesus is the Word, and so the, the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's empowered when we read the Word, when we live the Word, when we proclaim the Word. There's something that happens. And so the Word of God is a person. His name is Jesus. And, you know, this is what this, this whole thing is all about, is coming into this relationship with him. And there are things that we can do. We can pray. We can read the word. We can worship. We can bow down. We can, uh, you know, just meditate on the word of God. We can be quiet and be still. And we should do all those things. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to this relationship with Jesus. All right, if you'll stand and let's bless one another with this blessing, if you'll just repeat this after me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. I want to thank you for being here this morning, and I want to challenge you as always, make a difference in the world around you. Go out and proclaim the word of God. When you're there by yourself, when you're driving on 45, you can be worshiping and proclaiming the word of God. You can be reminding yourself of his promises to you and to your family and to others. And then make a difference as you go out and live it. You're dismissed. Prayer team will be up here if you have prayer requests. Thank you for being here this morning. We'll see you Wednesday. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.